You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. Darth Vader, watch out! And he's got a lightsaber! It's Kenner's Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. I got you now, Ben Kenobi! With R2-D2 and C-3PO. There's even Chewbacca and Han Solo. Someone's coming, Chewie. Who's there? It's Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker! Now I know the Force is with us. Darth Vader, R2-D2, C-3PO, and other Kenner Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. everybody and welcome once again to Geekfest Friends. My name is Carlos Perone and today we are doing a show that really we did not want to do. It's happened a couple of times where we lose somebody who is uh, admired in our industry, our genre industry, and unfortunately, you know, it's it's happened once again. Today we are going to talk about the late Charles Lippincott. So let's get started. I first discovered Charles Lippincott a few years ago on Facebook. He popped into Facebook and started, you know, his own page for people to follow. And it was a refreshing new source of information having to do with Star Wars mainly because that was my main interest, you know, in his uh, career, you know, his particular connection to Star Wars. He was the guy who was into the licensing and the marketing and all the stuff having to do specifically, you know, especially for us toy nerds, the toys, the merchandising, all that stuff that initially came out. It was as a result of the deals that he initially made. Uh, with the many, many, many different licensing companies, including Kenner, you know, all these Kenner toys, these action figures and ships that, you know, I'm surrounded by in here, and a lot of us are, he played an integral part in making those deals. But in all reality, throughout the years, he's been kind of quiet, you know, uh, um, not exactly the the convention uh, star that you would kind of see showing up time and time and again. Now, I did a show about, oh boy, about four years ago, all about Lippincott. And the show was called uh, Discovering the Lippincott Files, which was episode 275, which premiered back in June 16th of 2016. This is when I first, you know, started going you know, through all the files and all the material he's posting. And it opened up an entire library, if you will, of information. Not only Star Wars, but he's had a very long uh, career, including with films like Alien, Conan the Barbarian, Flash Gordon, Judge Dredd, Westworld even. So he, you know, he had a, a pretty long run. He didn't get past Star Wars with Lucas. He 
kind of veered off in a different direction. He never made it really to Empire. And there was a lot of behind-the-scenes shenanigans that took place, uh, according to Charles, uh, having to do with the results of the licensing, you know, feelings getting hurt, changing hands of employees, and just that that kind of stuff that, you know, you always hear the... You really don't want to know how the sausage is made. I always keep saying that. I used to throw that one at him every now and then on Facebook. And yeah, that's the kind of stuff that really, even if you read the Bible of making of Star Wars, you know, the Rinsler book, for example, that's the kind of stuff that gets kind of uh, deleted, edited out, left out of the story. Even when you do have a very thorough understanding of how things went, there's always another side to the story. And we always have to remember that when a company like Lucasfilm, because the, at this point it wasn't really even Disney in charge of the books, it was it was Lucasfilm. They, they, they were putting out their version of history. You know, the winners decide the history, the company belonged to George, so he put out his version of the history. And yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was left out, a lot of different point of views and a lot of you know, I was there, this is how it happened, that we got to read about through all of these hundreds and hundreds of posts, possibly even thousands of posts that Charlie put up, you know, on his Facebook page. He even had a an actual website also, I think, that they tried to migrate some of these posts because Facebook, he, I remember he always used to complain, was a, a very crude archival source. You know, you could upload tons and tons of information, you just couldn't access it easily. You would have to go back, and it was kind of mishmashy how how Facebook, you know, allocates things. And again, I would say, if you're really interested, you know, in the history of this man, go in and read that episode, or hell, just go to the Facebook page that still exists, or even the, the website, and start going through it, and start combing through it, because it is amazing the kind of stuff. You're talking about contracts, Pictures, storyboards, all kinds of, you know, pictures of toys, uh, things that he was involved with, uh, notes, letters, uh, legal documents. It's literally a an archival source of, of material, the type of stuff that, that, you know, you wish it would one day end up in a museum somewhere rather than in somebody's private collection. Now, one of the things that Charlie was trying to do throughout this time was to somehow organize everything and get everything down because there was always this threat going through him. You know, he was he was a guy, an elderly individual, that you could kind of tell, especially lately, that he was in a stage in his life where he was concerned with trying to kind of get things in order. And, I, and I've heard that many times before from older individuals of trying to get things in order, trying to line things up, trying to finish certain projects. And a lot of it this way, so his, his wife could be in good shape in case something were to happen to him. And lately with this whole COVID thing, you know, between the political situation of the country, you know, no mystery here. Charlie was very liber- a very liberal individual, pretty much like myself and, and like a lot of his Facebook friends. And the COVID situation, you know, between the political situation of the country and then the COVID situation, it was a it was a big downer, you know, for him. You know, all these bad things that kept happening, and you can kind of tell that he was kind of falling into these somewhat depression kind of 
symptoms by reading some of these posts. And because he was so interactive with his Facebook friends, you know, different people, including myself, you know, we would try to kind of cheer him up at times and try to get him out of his funk, you know. But yeah, he would, there were times where he would just get into these rip roaring <laughs> Facebook fights with people where he would just completely block them. And, and you know, he, he always would mention, you know, when you visit his Facebook page, you're kind of visiting his house and you don't go into somebody's house and piss all over it. There are certain rules you follow if you want to visit this person's house. You have different views and you want to start fighting and arguing political things or even the history of Star Wars or history of things that he witnessed. This wasn't the forum for that. This was a place where he could share his stories and not necessarily get into arguments with people about those stories, which again, like-minded individuals admired, you know, fans loved, but then sometimes people would all of a sudden start throwing their political views that were completely opposite of, of, of Charles's. And yeah, you could see he was he was not happy with that sort of thing. Now, the, the, the funny thing about Charles is that I never met him. I've never got to meet him. And I mentioned this probably in that earlier episode that I uh, talked about is that the one I did a couple years ago is that I actually saw him at a convention, you know, and I know I just mentioned he doesn't do conventions, but this was a very special convention. And this is that convention that I keep bringing up every now and then. This was the 10th anniversary Star Wars convention at the Stouffer's Concourse Hotel in uh, Los Angeles, California, that was held by Starlog and Creation Convention. This was the 1987. And the main event, if you will, of that convention was an appearance by George Lucas that was It was an anniversary theme convention because it was the 10th anniversary of Star Wars. And in that main event, a number of people came up to the stage to introduce George, you know, but different different kinds of people, including Gene Roddenberry was there. And one of the many people that were also kind of introducing, you know, it was an introduction to an introduction to an introduction. One of them was Charles Lippincott. And that's the, the part of the irony of this whole thing is that Back then, I really didn't know who he was, and I really didn't care who he was. I was there to see George, and I was, what it was, like 17 years old. I didn't appreciate Star Wars the way I appreciate it today. It was a whole other time, but he was there. And many, many years later, when I got into Facebook, I started a page about that convention, a Facebook page. It was the Star Wars 10th anniversary convention page. I think that's what I call it. And it's still there. The page still exists I don't update it much because there's just not enough material left anymore. It's called the Star Wars 10th Anniversary Convention Tribute. So if you put that on Facebook, you're going to see it. And that is the funny part is that that's kind of how I hooked up with Charles. You know, through this page, you know, he would put, I think he he, he initially put up a, a question. Does anybody know this person or something like that? And there was a picture. I'm like, yeah, I recognize that. That's from that convention. And then I started sharing photos. Next thing you know, we start talking, you know, not nothing too deep or anything, but through these years, through these four, five years, I don't even remember how long it's been uh, since we kind of started this. We've been commenting back and forth and, and sharing ideas, you know, political, believe me, a lot of political stuff. We He's very political. I'm very political. The Star Wars stuff was gold. It was just complete, complete gold. Not only the pictures and the archival material, but the stories. He had so much in his head, so many memories of 
how things happened, how things were worked out. The, the, you're talking about the the little tiny details that, like I said, they just don't make it into the into any kind of book. You're talking about like how certain fonts were created, who was responsible for the fonts of the letterheads of the company. Really, really bizarrely detailed information that yeah it's it's just insane how uh how much this stuff was out there and he was just sharing it and sharing it and sharing it all the time it was just incredible and yeah he opened up not like i said before not just star wars but he talked about a lot of his other projects you know granted star wars is that was his baby in terms of that's what started it all for him too not only for, for a lot of the, the movie industry and stuff but Man, did that stuff just explode in terms of, you know, affecting so many people. And personally, for me, as I mentioned many, many, many times, you know, if you talk about the toys, of course, you have George. George is on top of that pyramid of of the people that are responsible. But when you're dealing with the merchandising, whether, you know, it could have been someone else, it could have been a completely different person. But the bottom line is that it wasn't. It was Charles. And his decisions and his contributions is what led to what became, you know, the, the modern Star Wars, the only Star Wars, the beginning of Star Wars, if you will, for toys and, and merchandising. Now, one way of interacting with Charles, a lot of times it was it would be just jokes. You post a joke or something, or he'll say something funny, and then you just kind of follow up on it and that sort of thing. And a lot of people would do that, and it would work. It would be this this conversation. And every now and then, you know, you go on Facebook and you post something, whether it's on my own page or or on his page, and he would comment or like something you said or add, you know, do a little something with it. So that was always this this kind of, wow, look at that. You know, this guy's, you know, I'm looking at these toys all around me and I'm interacting with the guy that made these toys happen, which was like, holy crap, that is just incredible. And one of the most unusual and best things and and best memory as far as I'm concerned for Charles was that last year, I think it was last year, I did a series of shows. And this is where where we go down the uh down the the tunnel here. I did a series of shows about a, a controversy that took place with some Star Wars podcasters who basically are uh, were and behaved in a in a very toxic manner. And this is all around that time where Fandom was just going straight to hell. <laughs> it was just, there was this infusion of politics, of basically alt-right politics, what today is considered to be the other side of this insanity that we are going through. And just like cable news, at a certain point in cable news or television history, decided to split into two different directions. And I was actually there. That's what the amazing part is. I was there for that. I used to work at MSNBC a long time ago, and I was there since the launch. Well, it was only, I think, a year after MSNBC premiered that Fox News Channel premiered. And Fox News Channel was basically started, more or less, or, or ran by one of the lead uh, MSNBC peoples who kind of forked off and decided he wanted to do his own thing with, obviously, the help of you know very conservative-leaning people and funding, and formed this other channel. And... All of a sudden, then, you have a new dynamic. You have network news, which was supposed to be the, the standard, you know, the the, the, the the way it's always been, network news. Everybody, you watch your network, whatever network you happen to watch. 
And now all of a sudden you have CNN, but now you got MSNBC and now you got Fox. So you can you can kind of pick and choose which direction you want to go with your news. And that pretty much continued to this moment now. We you know, you want to listen to a very right-wingy conservative brand of news, you go to Fox. You want to listen to a more liberal Democrat kind of point of view, you go to MSNBC. You want to go somewhere in the middle? That's where CNN usually lived or lives, depending on who you ask. If you ask a conservative, CNN is another one of these, you know, hippie, uh, Birkenstock-wearing, gay-loving, liberal, Democrat, communist, Nazi (laughs) outlet. But if you ask somebody who watches MSNBC, that's a, you know, some of those terms apply more to to Fox. So that's the kind of world we live in now. And now you even have things that are, you know what, if Fox is not conservative enough, now you have OAN, which is kind of like, you know, like Alex Jones, Rush Limbaugh territory, really out there, wacky conspiratorial theories, uh, you name the, the insanity, end of the world kind of kind of conservative stuff. And that, even in the last number of years, is so much more mainstream than what it used to be. I mean, I remember a time where Glenn Beck got canned from Fox for being too nutty, but today he would fit right in. He would be perfect for for a channel like Fox. And that's why, like I said, you have OAN and you have all these other internet YouTube uh, channels where some of these guys kind of go and live and make a living out of it. Well, the reason I'm saying all this is because just like it happened with news, just like news developed its own flavor and you pick your flavor and ignore all the other flavors, fandom started to do that. Fandom in different areas with comic books, you ended up having these situations where these groups started forming that were anti-women, anti-minorities, then video gamer, Gamergate, (laughs) comic book, you know, all these controversies started happening where these groups started forming and becoming very kind of nationalistic, anti-women, anti-gay, anti-minority. And it's incredible how yeah, depending on your political leaning, people started gravitating toward these different groups. Well, finally, it happened to Star Wars. Uh, and it wasn't just a flipping of a switch. You just didn't turn on the switch and things went to hell. No, things were kind of, there was always uh, divisions in, in fandom and, and, and in, you know, not everybody loved the prequels, not everybody loved the sequels, you know. <laughs> but by the time I think we got to somewhere around last year with the backlash of Star Wars The Last Jedi, which, again, for the record, I've always, I stick to my guns, I really dislike that film. The dislike of that film with some people went so far, went so out there to the point where it basically became political. The internet chatter, the internet trolling, the internet hate from self-proclaimed fans divided and has continued to divide the community. You're talking about people now that are not just Star Wars fans, but they're more like alt-right, super conservative, bordering on racist, sexist, uh, anti-gay, you name it. They, they are just kind of like, wow, it's, an, it's, a, it's like a disease, an infection that has come on to the fan community. It affected Star Wars, it affected Star Trek, Doctor Who, you name it. And 
it was either you're on one side or you're on the other side. And man, was it just nasty. Well, with one of the prominent Star Wars groups, uh, fan groups, uh, podcasting groups, you know, I covered the story. I covered the events that were happening and the things that were being said and how people were getting really angry at, at some of these disgusting, horrible views and that you could kind of say, well, these are personal views that these guys have that are kind of starting to leak into the show and they're becoming now part of the show. It's like, wow, this is what these guys are really like. And to make a long story short, because you could you could just watch those earlier episodes uh, from last year, man, was there a literal shitstorm that came from there. I did a couple of shows and Things got to a point where they tried to shut me down. That particular show tried to shut my YouTube channel down. They they made some claims that I had to fight with YouTube, you know, fight my case, plead my case. And I ended up winning, which was fantastic. You know, they, they were basically told, your claims are completely out of line, get lost. And all my shows were kind of put back where they were. But for a period of time, there was there was a a good possibility that they were going to completely shut me down because once you have a certain amount of strikes on YouTube, they just shut you down. And off the bat, they were trying to hit me with two strikes right out of the gate. Well, when this happened, you know, I went out there trying to get help, trying to get advice, trying to get... And obviously, you know, depending on who you're asking, you're going to get different levels of advice. From my family, I had support, but there was also somewhat of a fear of what could happen. Some other prominent podcasters who gave me a lot of advice and material and suggestions, but they also wanted to remain anonymous. They didn't want to get brought into the, the fight, if you will, because they had been completely harassed in, for over a year by not only those same hosts, but the fans, the people that the host sick on whatever t group they are targeting at the time. All types of um, trolling and harassment, internet harassment, and you know, all kinds of, to the point where some of these guys even had death threats and violent threats against them. Because of a show, which is ridiculous when you think about it. So yeah, I did have a, you know, I did get a lot of help in that manner. I talked to other groups. Some people were kind of like, you know, we you know, we understand you you're, you're you're having this issue, but we really don't want to get involved. So, it was a time where things were very they were very iffy. You know, my show could shut down. I appreciate all the help and support that I'm getting from some of these guys. But yeah, I you know, I I couldn't really get anybody to really stand up for me publicly anyway. And I reached out. I did reach out to a lot of groups. And, and yeah, some of them just didn't want to get involved because they didn't want to get brought into this. They didn't want to get targeted because people were getting targeted and completely, completely harassed in so many shapes or forms. People were afraid to go into conventions because of the fans of these other groups would start trolling them and harassing them at conventions. It was, it was a little scary. Well, as I'm going through all this, one of the people that I reach out to and the reason I did was because he was kind of I think either somebody started talking to him on Facebook or, or or trying to get him to ask him some questions or something and I kind of gave him the information because I already had a relationship with him I kind of said hey listen just so you know be careful with these groups be careful with this guy be careful with that guy because they got a history of saying some really weird nasty 
alt-righty kind of things. And I know that's exactly the type of thing that Charles did not like. He really didn't like that. And I was able to, you know, give him a little bit of the backstory of what happened to me or what was happening to me at the time. And he was grateful and he appreciated and we exchanged, you know, communications about, you know, who else is, you know, who else is trolling him because he got to the point where he actually got into a verbal (laughs) Facebook feud with one of the hosts of that show that I'm talking about, where they, you know, it, it was, it got really nasty. Comments were deleted, removed, people were blocked, but for some reason, Charles stood up for me. I gave him all the facts, all the sources that I had researched, you know, for my shows, all the different newspaper articles, all the different people that commenting on what was said, all of that proof of what had happened. And he kind of stayed on on my side and didn't just abandon me and let go of it. He said, he put his foot down and said, that's it. You guys are out of here. And the funny part was that these guys had interviewed him years ago on an interview for their show. This is a while back. And I remember when I kind of listened to that show, I kind of, it sounded strange because Yes, it was Charles Lippincott talking, but the way that they were asking him questions to me reminded me of the way that, you know, when you have like a a regular television news anchor, let's say, who all of a sudden out of the blue, for whatever reason, they're covering a movie premiere or a a sci-fi convention. And they walk into this convention with this kind of like holier than thou attitude. And they're there to talk to the nerds, you know, the geeks, the freaks. And they kind of have this, I'm so above you nerds attitude. Well, that's the feeling I kept getting when I was listening to that original interview from these guys towards Charlie. And I always felt bad. I'm like, why are they kind of treating him like some old weirdo? This guy's got a ton of stories that are great. I didn't feel they were respecting him, really. And that ended up being that same group that came after me. And then they started, one of them uh, started going after Charlie on his own Facebook page. So as I mentioned earlier, after this whole thing was settled and everything was put to bed and my shows went back up on the air, there was no more interaction. You know, there was really no interaction whatsoever. They were just reacting to my shows. I kept, I kept, you know, talking to Charlie. I even said to you, I said, Charlie, I'm sorry I brought you into this. I mean, I appreciate everything you did. He was like, yeah, don't worry about it. These guys are jerks. They're all over the place. And he was like, I couldn't believe it. I just like, I was like, wow, this guy is, this guy's just great. You know, he's, he, he, talk about somebody who, who I've never met. I've never met. And he, he, he has your back. You know, I, I could be a complete stranger. I was a complete stranger, but just from our Facebook interactions, he he came out there and um, helped me out. And that continued, you know, we kept, kept talking about things here or there, comments, a little comment here, a little comment there. I would give him a heads up when all of a sudden certain names would pop up trying to start a kind of start an argument with him. If I recognize the names, I would look them up and see, okay, okay, these guys are associated with that show. That's that show that's into this and then they're connected to that show. So I would give them the heads up, you know, be careful with this guy, be careful with that guy. They're, they're associated with that show. And, you know, he would make his own decisions, obviously. But yeah, he he didn't have time, you know, for this BS of, of engaging people and getting into fights. He would sometimes, but 
he would just come around at a certain point and go, you know what? This isn't worth it. This isn't uh, this isn't how my page functions. You're not. I'm not here to argue with people. He was here to show everybody the hard work that he did his entire life during a time where he might not and was not really appreciated. He was not. He wasn't appreciated because he was. He had one of these behind the scenes kind of jobs that really, really gets lost, you know, in the mix. And the more I learned about the type of things that he was responsible for, uh, and I know this is kind of weird, and this is one of those fanboy things, you know, we we fixate on things uh, that are odd and different and not mainstream, and, and, and you kind of claim it as your own. And to me, that connection, that very brief connection that I had with, with Charlie and the again the manner where he came and and, and helped defend me in, in in the trouble that I was having, it just you know it's it's just so unusual and and wonderful, and it's not just you know you could say you you could have feelings like this for somebody, especially with with movie stars, rock stars, whatever musical artists, and I talked about this a little bit before. When I did my, my tribute to Bill Paxton, you know, never met the man. Again, never met him, <laughs> never interacted with him, never interacted with him in Facebook or anything. But I was such a huge fan. And when he passed, man, was that like a punch in the gut. It was just a, it was like somebody taking a chunk of your childhood and setting it on flames and throwing it off a cliff. And you're like, whoa, he's not supposed to die. He's, he's that guy. That guy is not supposed to die. Well, with with Charles, he was not a movie star, but again, because of how I feel about my toys, and I'm sure there's fans out there, you know, toy collectors, whatever you want to call yourself, uh, toy fans, toy collectors, toy sellers, whatever you're into, where your toys, and and specifically your, your Star Wars toys, and maybe your vintage Star Wars toys, which is more like where Charlie's coming from, these are items that represent a place. They're not just things. They're a place. It's a place you go to, not only when you're happy and enjoying them, just by collecting them and at, at a certain age, playing with them, but when things are rough, when things are difficult, when, when you're having issues, when you're having problems, when you're having fights, that is your happy place. That is where you go to calm yourself down, to refocus yourself to get that feeling, you know, which the, the nostalgic feeling. And again, remember, nostalgia is not exactly reality. It's a feeling of, of something good uh, that usually you're able to kind of shoo away the bad feelings and or the bad memories and just focus on the good things. But for us, it's like, wow, that was such a, 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 a good time in our lives, in, in our childhood. When we would see this toy on the aisle of a toy store, it would just completely make your day. So that happened so many times, you know, when I was young, when I was older, now, as, you know, we get older and tragedies come and go and good Lord, we're in the middle of a massive tragedy right now. We need that place. Some people might have certain kind of sports as their place to go or, or, or some other kind of maybe musical related or whatever happens to be your thing. 
Well, for a lot of us, it is our, our toys, our childhood toys. Uh, and, and Star Wars is the granddaddy of them all. And the fact that this guy was so instrumental, it was like, he's there. He was the guy who said this and not that. This and this and that, not this, not this. And the result of that whole thing is what's sitting on my walls, on my cabinets, you know, all over my, my office here is a result of that. So that's one of the things uh, that I, I remember when we did, and you know, when I did interact with Charles, um, it's one of the things I kept reminding him of that. And especially when he, when we could kind of feel that he was kind of starting to spiral a little into some form of depression or, or, or bad mood or something like that. And there's that, you know, like an actor that you absolutely love their performance and the actor starts to understand that sometimes how fans enjoy what they're doing the same way a fan might enjoy how a singer sings how they write their songs all that stuff charlie had that he wasn't an artist but the type of job that he had involved making certain decisions whose outcome brought so much happiness and still does to this day to a lot of star wars fans you know I, again those stories are just incredible they're all in facebook they're all there waiting for you and you know they're there to be enjoyed and i'll even tell you and i might have mentioned this on some previous shows and that is how special these action figures are to me when i came to the states back in the 70s I came twice, if I remember correctly. I came, I think, in 78, and then I came in 79. In 78, we came as tourists just to visit our grandparents, my grandparents. And while here, I had already seen Star Wars in Uruguay. And it, it had done something to me. That movie did something to me that it stuck. It stuck. It somehow stuck in my head, and it didn't let go. But granted, in Uruguay, there was no merchandising. There was nothing to buy, nothing to get, nothing. Maybe I might have been able to get a soundtrack, but I, well, I was that wasn't even on my radar back then. But in 1978, we came to New York to visit my grandparents, because my grandparents were already living here. And for one reason or another, I don't know how or why, probably one of the things you do with a kid my age, eight years old, is take them to a toy store. So... I'm going to imagine what happened was they took me to the local toy store, which ended up the toy store. I ended up going to many, many years and gotten so many of my Star Wars toys. And up on the shelf, I might have seen a card that it's like, wait a minute, that that looks like the the, the movie that I, I just saw this this movie last year or earlier that year, earlier that year, because 1978, Star Wars didn't come to Uruguay till January of 78. I didn't get 77. 77 was America. 78 was when we went. So a couple of months after watching this movie, I'm watch, I'm looking at a toy. And it's, holy crap, it's like right there. And not only that toy, but there's like 12 of them. And there's actually more than 12 of them. I'm like, what's going on here? This is like insane. So somehow I end up picking up, I don't know how many of these toys, maybe about eight or nine of them. I have no idea. Maybe the first 12, maybe the, the second wave. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to imagine it was at least the first 12 or most of the first 12. And I remember I took these toys back to Uruguay and my friends were like, what the hell are these things? These are, we've never seen anything like this. I mean, the quality was just incredible, amazing. And I remember at one point, 
one of my Star Wars figures disappeared, which was the C-3PO, the golden droid. And, you know, trying to figure out what happened. Well, who were you playing with? We were playing with this kid. I was playing with that kid. Okay. So my, I remember my mom, she... She, um, she's like, all right, hold on a second. You're playing with which kid? That kid? All right, I'm going to talk to that kid's mom. So she goes and talks to that kid's mom, and she comes back with my C-3PO. The kid had swiped it. <laughs> so I got my guys back. A year later, we come to the States, and this time it's for good. We come to stay. And that's when second wave, you know, the cantina wave and the toys and this, that's when it all started, the avalanche started even more. But when I left Uruguay, I got, we got rid of everything that we own practically, that we, anything we couldn't carry with us, we got rid of, we sold, gave away, whatever. The only thing that I took with me out of all of my belongings, out of all of my belongings was my 12 Star Wars figures. I had them in a little bag, and they came with me. They came with me. They traveled thousands of miles south, <laughs> and then thousands of miles north. They came with me no matter what. I was even able to get one back that was stolen. <laughs> so you got to understand how important these things were to me when I was young. I'm so happy my parents allowed me to collect them. They were the ones who bought them. I mean, I didn't have any money. I'm a seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid. Who the hell? I don't have a dollar to my name. Uh, but yeah, they they kind of fed my 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 lunacy for these toys. And once you know, I found Charles on Facebook. The fact that he was the guy responsible for that. You know, he was the guy responsible for that go-to thing that, like I said, up until this day remains with me. You know, it became a very special connection. I, I used to say that I used to say that, that that Charles was the Charles was the grandfather I never met, but I wish I had, <laughs> because I would love to hear. This is what my my fantasy version of a grandfather would have been like. Somebody who would tell you these insane stories that you're like, oh my God, and you're just hanging on every word. And they would be showing you these things that you're like, oh my, these are treasures. This stuff is, this stuff belongs in a museum. It's a, it's an artifact, you know? So yeah, that's kind of how, you know, it, it all, uh, it all went down. And, and to the point where, again, up until five, uh, about five years ago, after we had decided that we were going to move to Florida, which was also right around the time where my mom died, I came to Florida by myself and, and set up camp, if you will, in, in where I'm living right now, uh, near my in-laws. And what came with me, I came by myself with a trailer, because before my family was going to move, I wanted to get here first to try to look for work. And one of the things that came with me which is like, it's kind of like you, you have to get your basic essentials and a computer, a printer, because I was looking for work. I needed a computer to, to, to print out resumes, uh, a TV so I could watch TV, <laughs> my iPod at the time, um, a mattress. Yes, I brought a mattress, a pillow, and a couple of posters. <laughs> and... I believe I had with me one glass case and all my Star Wars figures. 
and they were there and they, that that was my you know that was my emergency rations if you will i had an em- i was living in an empty house with basically practically with basically no furniture with just some bare bone items but the figures were with me they were part of you know what came with me and part of my my childhood and, and that was a really rough tough time for me these these five years ago when I first got here. Things didn't go well right away. Things weren't pretty bad. And combined with what I had just been through, or, or more like, better said, what I was going through with the loss of my mom, I was in a really, really super bad place. Uh, I actually, but I keep telling people, I, I discovered what the meaning of depression really is in terms of you think of it as a mental condition, but it, it is a mental condition, but it also affects you physically in, in an amazingly horrible way. And it took a while for me to get out of that funk. Um, by the time my family came here, it took me uh, it took me like four, five, six months to really get out of it with help with with help from you know, medical help and, and, and my family and, and actually being close to my family because being away from my family for that amount of time and at the same time losing my mom, that was the perfect storm of depression. And like I said, it took a, a number of people and a number of methods to get me out of that. And that was one of the things that I kept remembering when I would read some of these posts I started to feel that Charles was tipping a little bit into these kind of places where he was getting really upset and really sad, just sad about the state of his health, the fear of not being able to take care of your family. And man, could I relate to that, especially with, like I said, what had happened to me when I first got here. But, you know, I kept trying to cheer him up and that sort of thing and try to crack some jokes and try to change the conversation to kind of get him on track, get him out of that dark place. Sometimes we, we were able to do it, not just myself. I'm talking about all the other people that, that, that would uh, chime in and try to get him out of his funk. Uh, but, yeah, he was, you know, he was an older guy. He had medical issues and he's been to, he had been to the doctor. And, you know, there were so many uh, things that he was upset about that happened throughout his life. You know, things that he felt wrong, just like you know, all of us. You know, we we've had these situations where we feel that we've been wrong, that we've been hurt, and our feelings were hurt, and and it all seems to come down to that: to being able to take care of the people that we love the most, and provide for them, and and to feel like you're in control of your own life. That's 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 one of these things that kept resonating with me, because you could kind of uh, little by little see him drifting. Well, a couple of days ago, you know, he's been, he keeps posting, don't get me wrong, it's not all like that. It, these these, these, these uh, kind of posts would come and go, and, and then you would get normal posts. He posts about a movie, post about this, this memory, this item, this, this picture. But then all of a sudden there was a, a post that came, and, and let, me, let me read it to you. So I'm, I'm going through Facebook, and there are apparently two posts. Uh, I'm going to read you the first one, which I hadn't seen. Um, I, I kind of caught on to what was going on with the second post, but this is the first post. And this is, you know, on his Facebook feed. Now, granted, 
this is even though it's under his name it, it was written by his wife his wife her nickname was bumpy uh, and it says last monday charlie had a catheter change that went wrong he had profuse bleeding and went into shock at the er they stabilized him but wanted to do more tests he was fine and was due to be released on thursday when his bacteria count shot through the roof and he went into cardiac arrest during cpr he had a stroke He's on a ventilator now. I've heard prayer circles can work miracles. So after giving science a go, I'm praying our combined force will allow the universe to do what it will. Thank you so much for your well wishes. I'm sure Charlie is happy that you cared so much about him. And actually, I take it back. I did see this post. And it was like, what? So... Yeah, I mean, I knew that he had been going back and forth to um, to doctors and hospitals because he was being treated. He had issues. But this was a little red flag that popped out of nowhere. And it was like, oh, no. So, I, I you know, I, I, I clicked on, you know, send love, one of those little icons, you know, for, for Facebook. And waiting to see what was going to happen next, you know, waiting to hear, okay, you know, he's okay. He's recovering at home, back to normal, you know, that kind of thing. But then the following day, which was, I don't know, I don't know if this was like a day ago or something, there's another post and it says the following. I've been having a difficult time, so it's been hard for me to be coherent. Charlie had been in the ICU on a ventilator since Thursday night. After 48 hours, they tried removing the ventilator to see if Charlie could breathe on his own. He could not. That was when I hoped for an act of God, for the force to flow through him, healing him and making him one with the universe. Charlie had some kind of COVID-19 premonition that if he went to the hospital, he would probably die. At first it frightened him, but then he became reconciled because he felt he had lived a full, rich life. Charlie thought he had been blessed he lived a good life, a full life, and was luckier than most. Oh, he wanted to continue living. There were things he still wanted to do, but he realized many of his peers were dying. And if the end came, it would be all right because he had a full, rich life. Earlier that Thursday, probably because the bacteria had been building and seniors get disoriented when they have infections, Charlie was happy because he thought we were waiting to go backstage at a concert. I couldn't figure out who was playing, but he was happy because it was somebody he liked. I went to the cafeteria to get a snack, and when I got back, his eyes were closed, and he was ready to sleep, so I read him some Facebook posts. He got really angry over Ahmed's murder and the persecution of blacks. That was my last conversation with him. Him being angry over how backwards our country still was. After that brief perk, he closed his eyes and went to sleep. I left. Then a couple of hours later, he had a heart attack. And the rest is history. Today, my update for you is Charlie's EEG has come back flat. This means he no longer has brain activity. I want to think his spirit has joined the 90,000 plus who have left this planet, 
who have entered the cosmos like Asimov's stream of light. I think Charlie would have liked that. The company of many leaving behind their earthly bodies. He wanted to go beyond and has done that. There are many COVID-19 deaths and each death was a Charlie to the people who love them. With that thought, I thank you, Bumpy. I read this in the morning, right before going to work. And my wife was already up for some reason. Because normally, I, when I get up that early to go to work, I, I, I'm by myself. But it, I, I had to kind of go and hide somewhere for a while. And I successfully did. Um, and I let my wife know at some point that that's what had happened. And it it's very odd, you know. I try to analyze things, and I try to remove the emotion from it, but I really can't. For some bizarre reason, this brings me back to five years ago to what happened with my mom. And I, I don't know exactly how this works. What I've been able to figure out so far from what happened with my mom, and this is something people sometimes say, is that you never really get over it. You don't. Uh, it's been five years. I, I don't know if in another 10 years I'll feel the same way in another 20 years or... To the day where I'll drop dead, am I going to feel the same way? But what I can tell you for sure is that I purposely tried not to think about it. Because as bad as things got, if I start thinking about it, I can get to that place in seconds. I can get to that place really fast. The place where that took me months to get away from, to get myself functioning again. And I remember there were times, again, after my mom's death, that it would be the weirdest things would happen. Like I would get a, I would see something and all of a sudden it would trigger these emotional, you know, outpourings that I couldn't control. Um, if I would see a movie and this happened to me also, if I think about it, when my dad had his uh, open heart surgery, I, w I went to see, I remember, Man of Steel. And when they played that scene where Clark Kent's father uh, was played by Kevin Cosner, I think, it, during that tornado that kills him, I was bawling in the theater. And I was like, what the hell just happened to me? Why am I having this reaction in the middle of this movie? And it was something to do with how vulnerable my dad looked after his surgery. And then when I was in Florida, I remember after my mom died and I was trying to get work here and I was failing miserably and I had a terrible, terrible job at a supermarket. I remember there was uh, one of the things I had to do was to walk people to their cars with their groceries, to who wanted help with their groceries. And there was a lady on a wheelchair that I had to help her walk back to her car, and I completely lost it 
because it brought back this whole thing with my mom. Because my mom ended up in a wheelchair towards the end. Briefly. Well, this, you know, this is a very similar situation now that the more I think about what just happened, it seems to be bringing me back to that point, to that time. And again, I've never met this man. (laughs) I never had a conversation with him in person. But a connection was made. Um, Not only, like I mentioned before, it's a connection that has to do with how I feel about, you know, the toys and, and how they comfort me and they help me when, you know, when I need help, you know, when I need cheering up, when I need inspiration, when I need, you know, when I do this podcast, when I do all these creative things that I like to do. This is what feeds it. It feeds it all. And the fact that this guy is so connected, that's one thing. And the other thing is, like I said before, when these a-holes came after me, this is the guy that publicly defended me, which was like, holy crap. I can't believe that the Charles Lippincott is publicly helping me and standing by me. It, it just blows me away. I've never had something like that happen. Which is why, you know, this is such a, a, a sad thing. Again, you know, he was an older gentleman. You know, you kind of, when you start doing the math, you're like, well, yeah, these things could happen. And, 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 you know, it's not like he was in his 30s or 40s, but still, it's like, oh, man. And part of it, I think it's because when you start, just like it was happening with him, as you you probably heard on the letter, you know, his contemporaries were starting to die. The people he admired, the people he grew up with, the people he worked with, all these notices started happening. All these announcements of so-and-so died and that person died. That's when you start to like look around and go, what the hell's going on here? Am I next? Uh, and and yeah, that's that's in a way that's what happened to me. I think with with the, you know, Bill Paxton, um, your heroes are 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 leaving, and it's like oh no, what 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 happens next? A couple of days later, um, you know, we I I posted you know my condolences and my my words, and I couldn't really put too many words. I, I'd rather do this, you know, I, I'd rather talk into a microphone to, to express myself because I really cannot, and I, I can't, I can't put all this on, on, on paper. I can't type all these uh, feelings and emotions. Uh, I'd rather just uh, talk to them out loud. And one of the things that uh, I found was that through his page, uh, a, a, there's a person that's taking care of... Um, writing certain posts and make uh, making certain announcements letting people know you know how things are going and 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 one of the things including myself a lot of some people were asking you know is there's anything we can do is there any anything we can contribute to or anything like that and one of the things that was posted is that if you would like to contribute to any for a sort of like a charity or something that charlie was a big fan of the aclu uh, so if anybody wants to, and you know, in lieu of, of, of sending money to, to his, his wife, uh, they would prefer to uh, make a donation to the ACLU on Charlie's behalf and in his memory. And that's what I did. I, I, I did it uh, tonight. I sent some money out there 
Uh, and there's also a secondary place in case you live out of the United States, because I believe the ACLU doesn't accept international donations. Uh, but if you live outside the States, uh, let's see if I could say this, probably can't, uh, Medicine Sans Frontier, uh, which I think it's, I think it's Doctors Without Borders, really. Um, if you go to, I guess, the Doctors Without Borders um, website, you can also, um, for international purposes, you could do that too uh, there. Well, this is um, uh, this is a different episode. Not the episode I wanted to record, but again, this was something that was one day going to happen, and, and it's going to continue happening, this type of thing. Again, this is the type of thing that, at least for me, I don't know how other people deal with this sort of thing, but for me, I can't really think about it too much. Because thinking about it too much brings me back to that place. And I don't want to be in that place. Uh, that's the place where you just don't want to get out of bed. <laughs> and don't want the date to start. And you just kind of cry for a very long time. And you can't stop. Um, the page is going to continue to be up, from what I understand, the Facebook page, because his archives are there. Uh, I knew that he was, at the time, trying to figure out also if, he could, if there was a way he could either sell everything or get rid of everything or auction everything or donate everything or do something with all of his files and archives. And, and I hope they, they, I do hope they end up somewhere, you know, uh, in some shape or form uh, in, in a public place where people can, can somehow study and appreciate it. Uh, at the same time, I'm, I really also wish that somebody could offer millions of dollars and give it to his wife, you know, set her up really good. Uh, because, I mean, for people like us, that stuff is gold. It's just gold. You know, all those memories, all that history, all that Star Wars, and so much, much more. So, once again, thank you guys. Um, and Godspeed, Charlie. And Godspeed, Charlito. The Force? The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. All right, I hope uh, you guys enjoy today's show. It was definitely not uh, the type of show we were planning on making, but certain things needed to be said. We will return next week with more genre material and uh, hopefully happier uh, news and themes. From everybody here, thank you for listening, and we will see you soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. Here's the new Star Wars X-Wing Fighter and the Star Wars TIE Fighter. Spaceships and Luke Skywalker sold separately, batteries not included. I'll get you this time, Luke. Reactivate X-Wing. Both have flashing lights and sound. Ahead, there go the solar panels. And Darth Vader got away. The Force is with me. Luke Skywalker wins again. Kenner's Star Wars X-Wing Fighter, TIE Fighter, and action figures all sold separately. If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! 
GeekFest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2020. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. <laughs>